Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Agmore Soap Opera, the classic-related podcast brought to you, the community. This episode is called Just In Time For Agro. I'm Andy and we're joined by the regular co-hosts of Zach and George and we have a special guest on the show. So last week we put a call out to Doranoff um, telling him that if he wanted to come on the show to get in touch and the brave man that he is, he, uh, he got in touch with Zach and here he is. So say hello, Justin. Hey guys, how you doing? Everything well, is thanks. well, bud. Hello. Uh, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Um, so we're going we're gonna to jump in and have a look at the events that fired this week, starting with the daily event on the Saturday. We also fired the Sunday event. And then we'll have some, uh, some chat with Doranoff and find out what it's like to jump into Classic and uh, dissect his recent deck and, uh, yeah, just mull over everything Classic for the, for the week ahead. Uh, I should just say that um, Acadia Masks block is in the system and uh, cards are flying in from the, the, the pre-release um, events and... Uh, People will be getting their hands on some uh, Tangle Wires pretty soon, I should imagine. So, um, yeah, let's start up and uh, jump into the first event on the Saturday with the Maniac going 4-0. Zach, do you want to lead us in? Yeah, it looks like the Maniac was uh, really rocking another blue standstill deck, which is... With, these guys have been taking off a lot. And he's running he's running one singular creature, and I kind of like this a lot. Um, he's running the Sower of Temptations to go with his uh, factories, as far as little beat sticks, and guys that just turn the tempo of the game. Um, have a lot of the experience with these guys in the Jace and uh, Legacy, and i got to admit that combo is amazing. You get the you get the Sower down and uh, take their best creature. Uh, they can kind of do whatever they want, especially against the aggro decks in the field. They have tiers of creatures where it's one, two, three as far as you know levels of amazingness. And what happens with Sower is you, st you steal whatever they take down, and then you can bounce him back with Jace and take their next best creature and uh, really gain control that way. And this deck looks pretty cool. I mean, rocking a lot of counter spells, uh, multiple win conditions like we all, I think, like to see. Uh, also sprinkling in some lightning bolts for some uh, removal action. And, yeah, I like it a lot. What do you guys think about this? I really like the Mox Diamond. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing a second one, though. A deck like this seems like it could really take advantage of Mox Diamond, especially with the standstills drawing you a bunch of lands, or if you ever get that Crucible down. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think one of the things about a deck like this is compared to what you're saying is this deck does never, ever want to miss a land drop. I, I don't think it ever, ever wants to miss a land drop. At least if I'm playing it, I don't. Um, I'm quick to keep a deck, uh, a four-land hand with a deck like this, no problem, as long as it has one counterspell. Um yeah, I like the Mox Diamond, but I think it's kind of superfluous. <coughs> I would almost rather have uh, another just Mana Accelerant, like maybe a, a Mana Vault or whatever. Um, yeah, but the the Mox Diamond does give you a turn one Mana Drain. I suppose Chrome Mox could too, but I think that the spells are more important than the lands in this deck. Oh, no. I think, I'll, yeah, I, I disagree strongly on that. I think it's totally lands first in a deck like this, um, just because you don't want to tap out almost ever, and uh, to play stuff like a standstill, you need to have something backed up. Um, I don't know. Just my opinion, especially when you're attacking with factories, and that's taking two more mana a turn. Um, what do you think, Andy? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty solid. Um, I, I don't know about the Sour of Temptation. It, I, I can see it being really great in the in the late game, but uh, like the way Classic's positioned at the moment, you don't really want to be fighting the late game. You want to be interacting on the stack early on in the game, and uh, 
I know, it just seems like uh, I, I, I would rather have something a little bit more aggressively costed there in that slot rather than a forecasting cost creature for a 2-2 body. Um, but yeah, it looks good. Um, we've seen Standstill taking, uh, taking a bit of a rise in the format recently off the back of um, success of the deck in Vintage, and it's... Um, it's good to see the kind of um, different classic builds, uh, control builds coming f- coming through and ch- changing the changing the way the classics being played. I mean, I think I think the the control decks are kind of driving a new innovation at the moment, and I think there's probably scope now to uh, to start attacking these as, uh, as as they get stronger in the meta game. I don't know what what you feel about these kind of decks, Darnoff, Justin. Uh, yeah, I mean, it looks pretty good. Um, and like you were saying with the Sour, like it's a little slow. Uh, but for me, it's actually pretty good because the whole point of these Landstill decks is to grind you out. So it has the package in the beginning to stop all those quick plays. And as a Sour, like it can stop any like late plays. Like say someone finally gets a Tinker down and you lose the Counter War there. Well, you can just Sour the Blightsteel or something and just fix any late game threats that you might face throughout the, throughout the game. Yeah, I'd even... Jump on that and say uh, Sower can also just be for two a turn, much like the card that's popular all of a sudden, the uh, Delver of Secrets. I mean, people are saying, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's, he's a 3-2 flyer. This guy's a 2-2 with an amazing side effect. Uh, I don't know. I like it. So, uh, Georgie, what's the next deck on tap here? Did we lose George? <laughs> I think I think George has dropped. Um, well, this is Naoto with the same sort of build that he had last time out with the the two gush, and we discussed the kind of uh, odd placing of those gush in this list. But it's also got the the heretic that we we discussed at length. So I think we've kind of gone over this deck last time out. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe just uh, just jump forward um, to Sarah O two four running a slash panther build of uh of, of stack uh of, with but um sorry with, with smokestacks four smokestacks main deck uh what is this he's also run a dark steel juggernaut yeah is this kind of like a mishmash or what is this meant to play like this i mean what what do you guys think about this i i find the mix of the juggernaut kind of weird with the smokestacks yeah, it, it's really polarizingly opposite effects <laughs> that are going on. It's like, uh, I don't know. He, he is running four Crucible Worlds, which is really top-heavy. Um, I, I guess it's good with a deck like this, running Smokestacks and all the Denial packages. Um, how many Spheres is he running? He's running the Sphere of Amethyst, uh, Thorn of he, Amethyst. He's got everything. Yeah, yeah, he's got four Lodestones. He's definitely like a... a a squeeze the life out of your build. It's just that Juggernaut's throwing me off so much. Every time I look at it, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and no well, metamorphs. Yeah. No metamorphs and Tanglewire next week, right? Yeah. I, I guess you could just put them right where the Juggernauts are. <laughs> yeah. Did you see any Tanglewires in today's event, George? Uh, no. I don't think that there have been enough Tanglewires on the open market for anyone to get a play set yet. Uh, the draft started while the event was in yeah. motion. Good stuff. Definitely. Well, next up we've got um, a good game of build. Yep, looks like uh, Itil Gore was rocking uh, 3-1 with, is that good game of? Yeah, he has a dra- one Dragon's Breath in there. and uh, Yeah, it's a, it's a deck we've uh, seen before. I think this is one of the older versions, Whiffy, that runs the two Wastelands. Have you seen that for a while? Uh, I haven't seen two Wastelands for a while. Um, 
He's also got Thoughtseize. He's got a Mystical Tutor, Enlightened Tutor. It is. I feel like it's an older build. It's definitely a good deck still, though. It's you know running the missteps and everything. It has all the uh, the tutors that you want, the uh, demonic, the vampiric, uh, even running the mystical, which I like. Um, doesn't have the show and tell, which I have to admit, after our long conversations about it in the past, I still think it's pretty good, especially if you are running the uh, mystical tutor. There's one in the sideboard. sideboard. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll get to Sunday's event very shortly, where uh, some some strange guy was obviously listening to the podcast and decided to run uh, <laughs> Alish Noren in his uh, main deck. I don't know who that weird guy was, but we'll get there. I think that weird guy's next up. What 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 does that weird guy think about this weird guy? Uh, that weird guy is me. Um, in this event, I played the Goblin Welder deck that uh, Goat Three One Four has been writing about on Pure. And I really liked it. The The video of it went up last week, and if you missed it, you should go check it out, because I think it's a cool deck. Um, I love Goblin Welder, and the only thing that I really didn't like in the deck was the Chalice of the Void. Now, I know that that's a pretty important card, but it really does turn off your Goblin Welders, and I think I had two or three... Babies? Because of... <laughs> Oh, we've lost George again, so uh, we'll maybe have just... Have you lost uh, me? Oh, no, you're back. You, you, were, having two, you were having two or three babies. I just, I just stroked out a little bit there, I guess. You stroke a lot. So where where did I cut out? Where you had two or three babies? <laughs> two or three babies? You said I had two or three, and then I went really silent, and I just interrupted uh-huh. babies for you. <laughs> So I had two or three games in the event where Charles of the Void just actively lost me the game because I couldn't play Goblin Welder. Um, and then the other thing I said in the article was that I think I might want Lightning Bolts because all of the Workshop decks are playing Phyrexian Revoker, and they just turn off Goblin Welder and I lose the advantage. That sounds kind of cool. At least it makes a better point for why you would not want to run Chalice and you would want to run the one drop. So I think by that simple addition subtraction alone, if you went minus four plus four, um, and even if you did that and put the Chalices in the sideboard and said, like, I want these for sure every game against Storm, um, I don't think that would be a bad call at all. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. What about the Batter Skulls? Did you like having two? Would one be better? How did it perform for you? Uh, Batter Skull, I mean, the two Batter Skull, two Worm Coil Engine, they're, they were really good at, as having life gain because, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how familiar you guys are with Workshop, but you take a lot of damage from Ancient Tomb. And just being able to gain like four life once or twice is enough for you to race against, uh, some of the fish decks and stuff. Yeah, it seems pretty good. I, I like the idea, and I think it's, I think that card in itself is such a good card. I think it's definitely on the level of the Stoneforge, Mystic, Jace, other cards that are multi-format all-stars, like the Tarmogoyfs and stuff like that. I think it's that good of a card. Uh, I think they knew that when they made it a Mythic, and I think even if it's not here, even if it's somewhere else, I do think we'll see Batter Skull now and in the future. So I, I think the card's amazing. It's nice to hear that it works so well with Ancient Tomb. I, I, I guess you'll keep a hand with three ancient tombs in, in business, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to. If you've got a hand that's all ancient tombs, or 
if they like strip mine or wasteland away your factories or whatnot, or I'm sorry, workshops, then you're you're just going to be tapping ancient tomb over and over again. Yeah. And hey, George, um, I had a question. Did you miss the Phyrexian metamorphs at all? Because I like recently the workshop decks haven't been running them as much, and it seems like it would work good in this one with the batter skull, like being able to copy it and then return it to your hand and copy something else. Uh, yeah. So I just directly copied this deck from an event about a month ago. Um, I think that now Goat is playing with a couple of Metamorphs, but I definitely wouldn't have minded uh, maybe two Metamorphs. Getting rid of, like, a Spine of a Shaw, even though that card seems pretty busted in the late game. Uh, seven mana is a lot. Yeah, definitely. Well, it looks like uh, that event was pretty varied in the... Uh the moneying decks there. Uh, Justin, you want to lead us into the next event here? It looks like it was a Sunday event. Um, sure. Um, we had the Magic Man going 4-0. Uh, and he's actually running a new deck to the format. He's running a workshop deck, but it's more based around uh, Affinity. Uh, he, has, he actually skips a lot of the good cards that you would normally see in a workshop deck uh, for a lot of the lower casting cards for, a, it seems like, a really huge like start uh, to get you going. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> definitely an interesting deck. This is not something that we've seen a lot before. Um, this is the exact opposite mentality of most artifact decks. This guy doesn't want to choke anyone out of mana, especially himself, considering he's dropping a lot of... Uh, zero drop cards, so you don't see any spheres or any lockout pieces of any type here. Um, um, this deck is all about winning on turn three. Yeah, I, I can see that. The, 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 I, I see the skull clamps there, but I don't see... Uh, what's, what's the one, the two mana, get plus one, plus zero for each artifact? Um. What is that thing called? Oh, the... Uh, I know what it is. The equipment card. Yeah, yeah. but now we got to think of the name. Yeah, the cranial plating. There. Um, cranial plating seems... It actually seems kind of terrible in a world full of uh, ancient grudges and nature's claims. But, uh, like, a card you guys might not think of as a real card is the Genesis Chamber. And that thing is what makes this deck so busted. It turns on your Ravagers, it turns on your Skull Clamps, it lets you attack for lethal on turn three. Mm. Okay. George, did you play this in the event tonight? You said you might. Uh, I did play this in the event that just happened, and I went nutso three times out of four. I was able to race Dredge in game one with this deck. It is a very explosive and fast deck. I would not be surprised... If we saw this a lot more, considering the fact it's um, under 400 tickets to build from scratch, and you could easily replace Wastelands with Ghost Quarters in this build and save another 120 to 150 tickets. Yeah, I played against the against the Magic Man uh, in, in the tournament practice room about two weeks ago when he was first tweaking the deck. And, uh, the first game he played, he, he ran over me and I went, ah, Luxac, I'll beat him again next time. And uh, he ran over me again and then I thought, oh, I'd better start taking this deck really seriously because, as you say, it's brutally quick. And most of the decks in the format at the moment really aren't set up with enough removal to to handle, um, handle the explosiveness of this. And a lot of the decks are set up as well just to kind of... Um, Ignore, ignore, ignore the creatures on the table. So, um, 
Uh, you know what this deck is great against is standstill decks. Yeah, absolutely. And they're never going to be able to stop all of those threats, are they? I mean, well, when you when you vomit out four guys, three guys on turn one, and then like another four guys on turn two, it doesn't. Goodbye, you can vomit out so many guys <laughs> that you just drop from the cool. Um, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's great. Um, another sign of uh, classic being really healthy and uh, innovation uh, yeah. coming through here. Um, you know, one what, of the what, things what, though about this deck that like I don't think you can take away is if this deck gets popular, all it does is reinforce the fact that Storm is the best deck. If this replaces the other stack stacks, I, I don't know what this deck can do against another stack deck. Can it, can uh, it this beat? deck won't replace the other stack stacks. It, but the, the one, the one uh, benefit of this version uh, against Storm, though, is you do still have Lodestone Golems. In the sideboard, you have Thorns, but you're so fast. No, you can't beat a turn one win, but you might be able to race them. I don't think any hand storm keeps you can race with three turn clock, can it? What if you're on the play? Well, you still give them two whole turns. You do. You do give them two whole turns, but I'm telling you, this deck is much faster than you can than you can even realize without seeing it in action. Oh, I've played against it. I played the Magic Man before in TP. Um, this he was actually oh, rocking this thing. This, he's actually rocking this thing a, a long while ago. Like um, I want to say, in, at the end of season two, maybe he was starting to play around with this deck, and I kept asking him. Like the the biggest reason I totally recognize and remember this deck is the Steel Overseer, which I ha really haven't heard mentioned much. Um, I was, like, kind of messing with him. I was like, oh, Steel Overseer, huh? Ooh. You know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like uh, two mana, one, one that takes a turn to do anything. But, like you're saying, I mean, the deck is is a lot stronger than it looks. I just think, I think right now it's kind of like capitalizing on the surprise value more than anything else, but... But like oh, this, this deck compared to the other ones, I would love to ask Andy uh, Montolio, Mister Chipman, what he thinks about Serenity against this deck compared <laughs> to the other ones. Because Serenity would eat uh, this thing. Serenity would dominate this deck. Yeah, because they'd vomit their whole hand. The only hope they would have would be any card advantage they generated from the previous skull clamps. That's it. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think this deck's really strong against the decks that aren't ready for it. Um, I think it would be a dog to some of the other decks like Oath, um, but I'm not really sure. Uh, like you said, three turns is really fast for a deck like Oath to even compete with. So uh, up next, we've got Excorpio with his Delver deck again, the one that has a million counterspells, four libraries, and a few blue weenies. He came very, very close to scooping the prize that's been on offer for such a long time. Yeah, with he full did. libraries. Um, I gotta so say, this deck is making me so horny. I want to run this deck. I was telling Andy and I was telling George. Uh, I, I still have to get a couple cards for it. I have to get three libraries. And uh, like an idiot, I sold all my gushes dirt cheap. So let's hope I can get them again. But I can't wait. This is good. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be the first deck where I run the, the uh, Snapcasters. I can't wait. Have uh, you guys we, played against this? I, I have not played against it. Have you, Darnoff? Yeah, I played against it in uh, a couple of events ago. Um, it was it was pretty 
um, good. It had a lot of control. It just didn't seem to have uh, many answers for anything I got down, but I, it doesn't seem like he'd be that worried about fish, so that's kind of a little side thing for him. One thing that's weird for me in this deck is the Vampire Tutor in the sideboard. Yeah, I think I think you and I were discussing this uh, when we were first talking here about how he has a Steel Sabotage main, but he has a Vamp in the sideboard. Which seems really weird, because Steel Sabotage seems really narrow, and Vamp Tutor seems really broad. Would you agree there? Yeah. It's well, the I would, too. It's just, the Geekslip Jailer main, it just seems like the Vampire Tutor in the sideboard kind of turns that off into main as well. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, all he's got to find that are the four Brainstorm and Fetches. And, and the one Demonic Tutor. Yeah, I don't know. I... Um, the Vampire Tutor also makes Snapcaster Mage better in the main deck. Yeah. Agreed. It's one of the better instants you can even cast. Um, um, even if you want to keep the Steel Sabotage, maybe cut one Gush. Yeah, that's that's what I wanted to ask about. Um, the Gush is great because it turns on all his libraries. And I think that's the main reason it's in here, I, I assume. Because other than that, I can't really figure it out. Is that what you guys think as well? Yeah, because he doesn't really have the mana base to be returning two lands. Because I mean, as is, Andy mentioned last week, he only has like seven islands, as opposed to a lot of uh, non-island drops. It, it is really impressive um, what that does for the libraries. Plus four cards. That means you can go down to three cards and turn on your libraries again every time you get a gash. So yeah, it it seems really cool. I, the other thing about uh, the, the the vamp for the sabotage that I would say is it really helps you with your libraries because if you turn one on you go to eight you can always use a vamp put a card on top and then draw it before your next turn yeah a lot of a lot of applications for the vamp there cool cool so moving on it looks like we have this chump who's this guy what? oh man so every time I place you guys call me a chump aren't you getting tired of being wrong <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> so take it, Whiffy. Tell us about your deck here. All right. So this is directly from the podcast last week where we talked about how only the Druid should be played more and Elish Norn might be great. Um, the deck is actually... I think the deck is bad. Uh, I don't think I tuned it well enough for the event. It's in the right direction, but there are some cards that don't belong in here. Um, I didn't really like the Memories Journey. And just some of the numbers need to be changed. Maybe add an extra land. How about adding a card that I was telling Durnoth that I was angry you weren't running called Beast Within? What the hell? Uh, yep, there's no Beast Within either, and it would actually help when I've got Elish Norn down. One of the problems I had, and that people will see when this article goes up, it should go up before the podcast, but uh, one of the problems I had was that once I oathed up Elish Norn, I could never Oath again, because their 1-1 tokens from the Forbidden Orchards just died. Yeah. Yeah, and that that would be a nice little thing for Beast Within to give you there, at least some equity on that side, in case they do have something big they're digging for. Um, other than that, though, I mean, sideboarding into the Terastodons was fantastic. Did you play stacks in the event? Well, let's see, what did I play? I actually had a pretty weak event for the deck, and I'm glad because I don't think it was tuned well enough. I played against uh, Turbo Stasis, the Affinity deck, which raced me. Um, 
I played against some kind of a, I want to say casual deck, and I really think it was casual. And then I played against a Stoneforge Mystic deck. Oh, that's really random. It is pretty random. What's so, up with I the, mean, uh, two of my matches were buys, almost. What's up with and the And then I had puzzle? to really fight hard to win the Stoneforge Mystic, and I, I got outraced by the affinity. Hey, what are the pyroclasms for? The pyroclasms were for all of the Delver of Secrets. Okay. Um, yeah, so I built this deck to beat all the Delver of Secrets and Snapcaster Mages that have been running around at the top of the tables. Seems good. What do you think about uh, Engineered Plague here? Um, I don't like it. It's three mana. Yeah, but it sticks around. Yeah, but what what does it really do? Well, all the Delver decks, it, do it kills every single creature, and they'll never have another creature down the rest of the game. Yeah, but you've got to be able to cast it, and you know as well as I do that sometimes when you're in a racing position with Oath of Druids, you can't, you can't, you know, just spend three mana that's going to run into a daze or a spell pierce. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you. That's why I chose the Pyroclasms over um, Fire Spouts, which are an actual just much better card than Pyroclasm. See, that's one of the cards I'm surprised they didn't have in New Phyrexia. Which is a pyroclasm that costs three, but you can pay two life and two colorless instead. Oh, and have a one mana pyroclasm? That would be pretty saucy. Well, one mana or two mana colorless. Either way. So you don't have to run vaults? This is true. The volcanic islands are just in there for the sideboard. Yeah. Um, I'm running Swords of Plowshares over lightning bolts. Yeah. I like your balance. Yeah, balance. I mean, I built the deck to try and beat aggro. Balance helps that. I know Zach loves him some balance. <laughs> yes, you do. And that's the main reason for the Mystical Tutor, so that I can go and find it. Alright, so Andy, who's this next uh, participant? Next up is next up is Weasel, uh, choking up another money slot for the Oath deck. Um, kind of gone back to a very old-style uh, Oath build here with the... The good game build, but um, dropping the gush that she had been experimenting with. Um, there's not anything that's terribly innovative in this build, um, but there is an Elish Noran in the sideboard. Um, so I guess that's that's probably the uh, the only step that's really kind of uh, changed up in this list. Well, she's had that there for a while now. Has she? Has she? Yeah. Yeah, she, she has. She's actually the reason I threw it in my list for... Um, Season 3, before I dropped there, I had an Elish in the sideboard, too. Cool. And then rounding out the money for this week uh, was Montolio, um, with his uh, usual build of um, Slash Panther stacks, um, but he has got Threxian Metamorph in the, side, in the main deck now. Yes, he does. I think that's a good move. Still has no rods, but it looks like he went down to two. Is that right? Uh, yeah, he's... Yeah, I think he had three or four last time. Very cool. So I think that's so, a trick uh, yeah. we've gone over before. Yeah, two two really diverse events um, with uh, multiple oath making the money. So um, we'd, we'll uh, we'll move on in the podcast in the interest of time. And we wanted to have a, a good old chat with uh, with our guest Justin. Um, so Justin, how long have you been in and around the classic scene? Uh, well, I started Classic probably about a month and a half ago for the events. Uh, I've been watching uh, the 
podcasts and stuff like that for a lot longer. I just never really had the time or money to get into it yet. And so eventually I just built up a, built up enough to start playing and just did. So, uh, why classic instead of legacy or modern or standard or extended or popper? Uh, classic, as you all know, you all, you get addicted to the power level in classic and, you know, you get to play whatever you want to play if you have the cards. Um, so it seems like the best format to build up in. I, I will definitely agree with the addiction to power level. <laughs> so you're coming into a, you're coming into a new format and, uh, Rather than deciding to follow the crowd and uh, build a dredge deck or one of the other budget options, you decide to go rogue. Uh, yeah, um, I, it's just one of my... I've always loved creature decks, fish decks, um, in other formats. I played a little bit before, and um, I just tried to put together something that would work well in the current meta um, with the shops infested and the other things going on, and it seemed to be doing pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you've made multiple money slots now in that short time you've been in the classic scene. So, well done on that. Yeah, I've had about uh, four, I think, now. Uh, four three-in-ones. I always lose the last round. <laughs> well, one, one day you'll crack the four and oh, I'm sure. No doubt about it, man. Just keep your head up. Next time you get up there, just say you're not going to lose no matter what, and you will not lose. What's been the deck that you've seen the most in the finals that's really bothered you? Uh, I've seen a couple of different ones. Uh, I think I lost to Oath once in the finals, which is one of the harder matchups for me. And then I lost to, uh, I think it was Cronin's um, Welder Shop deck. And then also one of the, uh, uh, what is it? the Delver decks. Uh, yeah, I lost to the Delver deck once. What I'd like to give you respect for is that you uh, you were clearly on a budget when you started coming into Classic, and you you didn't have the completely teched out deck that you could have bought into your first ever Classic event. You weren't running, for example, the Full Wastelands, but you said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna win at these events with the best possible deck I can put together at the time, and uh, and see how I go." And, and credit to you because you came in and you made uh, made multiple money slots, and uh, noticed that you've now picked up the fourth Wasteland and uh, and and sort of finished out the deck. Um, so I think that's a kind of a, a good message to send out to people that if you if you don't have the budget or you you, you kind of just starting off, um, there's there's still a, the possibility of playing in these events, gaining experience, hopefully making the money and uh, enjoying yourself along the way. Yeah, um, it, it was a lot of fun actually, and um, you you just pick a deck that uh, you think you can run for your current level of money or stuff that you might already have, and you just start slowly building it up. Um, I mean, you look at one that you can see that has some of the cards in the other decks you want to build, and you just go with it and slowly build it. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Um, like you said, I started out with the Ghost Quarters, and uh, because of that, I had to play with some other cards until I got the Wastelands. But if if you really want to do it, you can do it. Anyone out there, you can play Classic. Uh, it's, it's not too much money to put together one of the decks like I had or put together like a Blood Moon deck like Whiffy had shown earlier. Uh, get out here and play. So what was that feeling like when you finally put those last wastelands in your deck and you hit the save button in the deck editor? Was that a nice feeling? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, pretty nice to uh, like see your collection start building up, start getting some of those staples and classics, and know you're just going to keep going with it.
Yeah, yeah that's that's something that I and I think a lot of other the longtime players take for granted now, since we've had our collections in place for years. Yeah, sell out a couple times and see how that is. It's definitely one well, of those things. Well, I suppose things. if you sell out a couple of times, rebuilding the collection feels even better. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Like, uh, Justin, I assume you don't have any, but you could always prove me wrong. Do you have any Force of Wills yet? I do not. Okay. Once you go to the path and you start getting those guys, it's such... It's exactly like Wasteland, but it's almost like times three. Because it's like <clears> that one card that's always been like the crown jewel as far as non-foils. That you know there is out there. That's that's one of the reasons I can definitely say um, guys are really collection oriented. I, I'm not sure about the psychology of it, but like the games that I play, I play like Modern Warfare, and I always like unlocking achievements and stuff like that. That's one of the coolest things about Classic because the achievements you're unlocking, the stuff like the Wastelands, and even going down like the Strip Mines or a Tarmogoyf or something like that. Those things don't go away. They're always there, and it's always a nice feather in your hat that we have the standard Dudden. Because one and day it's not they're easy to, to get those cards either. No, it's not. Regardless of availability, which I believe that if you have the money for it, the availability is not an issue, but a lot of people don't have the money to just drop 500 tickets on, on play sets of things. you got to work for it. Yeah, that definitely. So what, where, where do you see yourself going now then, Doranoff? Uh, Are you going to stick with this current build and uh, keep hitting the money, or... Um now that you've completed this with the with the fourth wasteland, do you have your eye on a different deck in the format? Um, well, with the I want to see how mass um, turns out. Because if we see a lot of the more shots, I think this deck could do pretty good there with the aether vials and uh, a lot of the artifact hate. So it'd be it could be pretty good. But I uh, I want to build up to some of those. Like Zach had said, it's fun to build your collection, and I want to get some of those blue staples as well, the force of wills and all of that. Um, and one card that I really was excited about that I thought would be cool to try to throw together a four, four color fish deck with was um, Geist of Saint Traft. Uh, I think that one would be a lot of fun in the current meta. That's interesting. So that guy, what is he? He's one, a white, and a blue. He's 2-2 two, two and hexproof, and you get... Is it a 4-4 four, four angel? Yeah, yes. that goes away after the attack phase. That's pretty interesting. What, are you thinking, like, off the back of, like, a, a vial or hardcast? Um, well... Either, either or, um, I mean, if you have the blue, you, you have some of the counter magic to sort of back it up as well. And once you get it down, the lightning bolts won't hit it. Um, and there's not many things that will block that right now either. Yeah, and then you have to factor in, if you're playing the four-color fish, you've got lots of exalted with higher arts and pride mages, making that guy like a 3-3, three, 4-4, three, four, four, five, five. Does that So you, I guess you can stack that exalted trigger before the angel then. Yep. Yeah, because when you attack with him, you would, I guess, put his trigger on the stack first, and then he's the only attacking creature, and all the uh, Exalteds go on, and then you've got a 4-4 that pops into existence. Yep. Go ahead, sorry, Justin. Oh yeah, yeah. I was yeah. It it just seems like that would work really uh, well right now. And yeah, like if you said, if you stack it right, you get the uh, you big, get the him being big, and you also get the four four there. Um, so it's pretty strong. I think it would be nice. Seems pretty good. Seems pretty cool. So uh, as far as Classic goes, are there any of the decks that have started to, uh, I guess, annoy you? Like you see one deck too often. Are there any that you just are, are totally opposed to at the moment? <laughs> uh, I, I, I guess Oath would be the one that's hardest for me. I mean, I, I love the deck. It's just one of those that when I play against it, it's like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> 
Which is funny because you do have the tools to beat on Oath. Yeah, I mean, if I get a Knight of the Reliquary down, it's pretty much usually good game versus the Oath, but I mean, that's three mana and going through counters and them already having, you know, the the Oath down with the land putting the things in it's it's, it's just a little hard. <laughs> I should feel pretty lucky. I mean, whenever I play shops, I think, oh, here we go again. Whenever I play dredge, I think, here we go again. And whenever I play oath, I think, oh, here we go again. <laughs> so if you've only got yeah, one match up, that makes you do that. that. Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun uh, with the deck and enjoying Classic a lot. And the community has been uh, extremely nice. It's been nice to get to talk to everyone and get to know everyone. Um, I mean, you guys are really helpful, and anyone looking um, to start building decks, I mean, you guys can ask these guys anything. They'll help you out. I asked them a couple of things, and they helped me, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that is one of the real strengths of Classic, is the tight-knit community that we have now. Um, I think, you know, everyone's been pulling together, and the events have been firing, and uh, most people are pretty helpful, and uh, you know, some of the uh, some of the old characters who... Uh, Used to rub people up the wrong way. Seem to have disappeared. I've not seen Sabalod for a long time. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the you know kind of dickhead players. Excuse my French. They they don't really. They're not here. Um, that's I think that's the reason I've been playing the eventual hope of Moxes. But the community is great. We we actively want the format to succeed as opposed to a lot of the other formats out there. Definitely. Uh, I think the fact that Classic is still going strong whilst uh, Legacy is really struggling at the moment um, it has a lot to do with the strength of, uh, of the community. And, the well, and Modern isn't matches. doing anything either. Yeah, I think Modern will be back very soon, though, because there's some big paper events coming up in January. Oh, yeah, the PTQ season. Um, that's why I wasn't entirely, in, entirely hating myself for buying Arcbound Ravagers last week, because I can always play that in Modern, and uh, the Affinity is a real deck in Modern. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, Justin, have you got any uh, any questions for us on uh, on Classic, or uh, anything else you want to talk about? Um, <laughs> put me on the spot there. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you guys have been really helpful with any questions I've had so long, uh, so far along. Um, I don't know. See, that was a really unfair, unfair question, wasn't it, from the host well, there? Job let you me in ask there. all three of you about Stasis. Now, I played against it in two events in a row, and I actually think, and you're going to laugh at me, that it might be able to win an event, or at least 3-1 an event. So, if, if, you're, if you're not familiar, the engine would be Stasis, and then uh, Forbidden City which is a land that taps for any color, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you can exile a card in your hand to untap it. And then the other engine is Birds of Paradise, or Noble Hierarch with Instill Energy. And then you win somehow. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> There's no way that kind of a deck is going to win an event. I'll call it. There's no way a deck like that. There's too many focus decks. I mean, unless... A, the, the thing is, it would have to win an event due to odds. Like, a bunch of decks that have targeted kill conditions would have to get beaten by decks that don't have targeted kill conditions, but are like lockout. Like, stacks, for instance. A bunch of stacks decks would have to beat the field, and this deck would have to face stacks in the final. And it would have to basically face a... a, a, a 
gauntlet that's similar to that, I think. I don't so, understand how another kind of deck can win. So what you're saying is you think that Stasis would only win if it played against Workshops three or four times? Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, that actually, that's not so far off from what happens in some events, especially with Tanglewire coming out. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying, but I don't see the allure of a 99.9% stacks metagame. I don't think there will be a lot of people playing if that happens. I, just my opinion. And I, I think there will be different kinds of decks almost regardless. And it would All just right, be well, odds. What about Andy and Justin? Do you guys think Stasis has any chance? I, I do have a fondness for Stasis. Um, it was a, a deck I actually built in paper way back in, I don't know, 2000, 1999, something like that. It's... Uh, it's an aggravating deck for to play against, but it's a hell of a lot of fun to play with. Um, I think that maybe finding the right build is going to be critical. Um, I, I just don't, I, I just don't see it being able to beat the fast decks in the format. I mean, you, you're wasting deck slots with instant energy and birds of paradise. Which I know it seems terrible. Build it, prove us wrong. The only thing I, the only reason that I would build it and play it is because I just find the demoralizing factor of losing to a stasis deck would just make me so happy if I could actually win the rounds. I think there was one in the event today, wasn't there? There was, and I was playing a mindless aggro deck. He almost beat me. I feel like he might be able to, to beat you too with the only reason that you might be able to pull it out with is with the pride mages. In the main deck, but where do you go? What do we do? What do aggro decks do against root maze and stasis that never goes away? I guess query and ranger is a good answer in your build as well. Yep. Yeah, curium would be pretty strong against that because it would pretty much let me build up faster than you build up because you it seems like it would be a lot harder for you to find a threat than for me to. Yeah, so far I'm thinking that the win condition, I mean, it can't be Sarah Angel. Let's let's be obvious. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be either like Black Vice or some kind of milling strategy. I believe uh, Air Farmer, who is the person playing Stasis, is running Curse of the Bloody Tome, which is a new Innistrad card that mills two during the upkeep. Uh... Black Vise, if you can win games with that Black Vise, I'd give you props. I haven't seen that done in a long time. I remember when I used to play Paper, and that's a long time ago. Turn 1 Black Vise was a heavily feared strategy. Oh, yeah. Nobody knew about curves back then. It was like, bam, turn 1 back. I'm like, oh, crap, I got three of my ICs, and I was so happy until you played that. <laughs> turn 1 Black Vise, you just dealt me like 12 damage. <laughs> Uh, anyways. So, no stasis love. Yeah. Andy thinks it's fond, but Zach hates it. Justin doesn't really know. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't, I don't know. Stasis back in the day used to run things like Howling Mine and Kismets and us disrupting Spectre, Oh, Kismet is old school. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Root Maze is a better Kismet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just reminiscing of the days back in the, uh... In the late 90s, so... Anyway, back to modern times. Um, anyone spotted any uh, any new tech at the moment? Um, I mean, I, I played with the Affinity deck today. That isn't relatively new. 
So how do we think the uh, the meta game's going to shape up now that people have started to uh, open packs of Macadian masks? Well, I guess that depends on the supply of Tangle Wires. Um, I know that a lot of the Workshop players are going to want them, and I think... I, I was talking with somebody about this. It may have been the Magic Man. Um, I feel like people are going to build Workshops with Tangle Wires incorrectly for the first month and just jam Tangle Wires wherever they can instead of building around it. I, I could be wrong, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of Tangle Wires and they're not going to be built correctly for the first month or so. Mm, I think you underestimate the people that play these decks. Yeah, I think a month's a long time. I think give one week of playtesting in the TP room. I think you'll have some really, really solid decks out there. Some of these guys can uh, put together a pretty strong 60. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be terribly difficult to kind of uh, build up something to take full advantage of, uh, of Tanglewire. You know what? You know what is out now that I'm actually excited about is Divining Witch. I can finally make my Laboratory Maniac deck. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Divining Witch is a one in a black one one spell shaper. You discard a card and get two demonic consultation. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. I mean, in theory, with the Maniacs, um, I don't know. What about? Has has Hermit Druid Maniac been doing anything? I've not seen it. I've not seen it. I've not seen people play testing it. I mean, that sounds like it would be just as good, if not better. But I, yeah, I don't see anybody do it. Yeah, one of the guys I was playing in the league had uh, had Laboratory Maniacs in his sideboard, but um, they weren't relevant in the matchup. Definitely cool. Definitely cool. Well, uh, I don't know, guys. Anything else this week? No, I don't think so. Um, I just a chance to uh, thank our sponsors and our host, and uh, thank Justin for joining us and giving us a, a different perspective on where things are at with Classic and uh, showing us a different deck and uh, giving us some insight in what it's like to get into Classic now as opposed to um, a few years back when when the rest of the uh, people on the cast joined, joined Classic, so it's been good. Definitely. Thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. Cool. Well, take care, and we'll see you guys in seven. All right, guys. We also wanted to uh, thank our sponsor and our host, uh, Pure MTGO and MTGOTraders.com. Thanks, as always, guys. Uh, see you next week.